You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Hey, greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Steve Day Show podcast edition exclusively here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with us. We would love it if you would let us know what you think. You can join us by emailing the program. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Excuse me, pardon me while I clear my throat. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. I mentioned our podcast each day is powered by CRTV. We just wrapped up production for our CRTV television show today. Aaron, give the audience a preview of what's coming up. I literally don't care, Todd. (laughs) True, true news. Uh, No, it was, uh, it is is fascinating to, 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 to hear Daniel. The guy just keeps on... Uh, just keeps on trying to save a party that freaking hates people like him. Like I, no, you can't find another person who just keeps taking gut punch after gut punch like Daniel and keeps on getting up and trying to, you know, point the way forward. Yes, it's depressing, but at least he has solutions to the things that he uh, criticizes about the Republican Party. Hearing that again this week after special elections last night and. Um, kind of diagnosing what the landscape is right now for Republicans and how it could be different. It really is different right now than what we think it will be in in November. And uh, that that was an interesting conversation. When when Daniel comes on here, it is a little bit like Jerry Maguire. He is Cuba Gooding Jr., right? You literally can almost, if I could just translate most of his election year interviews this year, it has been Daniel Horowitz in his own voice channeling Cuba Gooding Jr. looking at the Republican Party saying, help me help you. Help me help you. Right? That's pretty much what he's done on here most weeks. Todd, what's out to you? Well, uh, Nigel Farage, he of uh, Brexit uh, fame, uh, was on uh, Fake News or Not. I read his column yesterday uh, uh, after we we talked uh, about um, the whole uh, Infowars blocking uh, issue, and he has solid uh, food to eat. It is we have argued over and over again on this show about the right of private businesses to do as they please, and none of us on this show think any differently in terms of should there be government intervention uh, concerning this issue. But that is different from the issue. Do private businesses get to do whatever they want whenever they want? Do they get to rob you uh, of your likeness? Uh, do, do they get to slander you? Do they get to defame you? And he brings up legitimate questions about 
is this a Pandora's box? What does it mean? Do we have to fight? Do we just have to shrug our shoulders? As Steve called it, it was a grown-up conversation. You might not still be any closer to an answer, but it was a real conversation, and it wasn't one where we just go to silly corners and check silly boxes. Yeah, I think that's definitely something people want to check out today at CRTV. If you have not yet subscribed to our show at CRTV, CRTV.com is the website. Just use my name as a discount promo code, D-E-A-C-E. How big of a discount will you get? How about a year worth of programming at CRTV. Our show, Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, Phil Robertson, Stephen Crowder, the whole team for just a quarter a day. Just a quarter a day. CRTV.com, promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E. All right, let's get to it. It is a Wednesday. We are back to normal business. We took a bit of a break from this last Wednesday, but today we are returning to regular order. It is time to play our weekly edition of Buy, Seller Hold. Our producer, Aaron, usually with a little help from his friends out there in you, the audience, will throw us a series of what we hope are provocative, meaningful propositions. Todd and I will then consider them, hopefully have a reason why we're going to buy that or sell it. We are permitted once per show to place a hold, but unless it's because the proposition we are handed is of such lame basis that it doesn't merit or justify an answer... You have to understand you are violating the due code by not taking a stand, and you will be ridiculed mercilessly, therefore. Aaron, the floor is yours. Uh, yes, uh, some better uh, better entries than a couple weeks ago. So I saw you uh, helmet, urge the audience helmet, on Twitter to raise their game. Yeah, raise my game, raise their game, so I have, so I don't have to bring mine. That's like, basically when, when John the Baptist says, "I have to decrease, so yeah. Jesus increases." What Aaron <laughs> is saying to I'm you saying. is, yep. you need to increase so I can decrease. Yes. That's what Aaron is telling you. Oh, that's that's exactly right. <laughs> Except for those of you who keep sending stuff about Michigan athletics, just. You can keep sending them, I guess. Probably not are they just trying it. to trigger me? Or are these like I serious propositions? I, I'm not. I'm not sure. That's okay. what con- concerns me. Right. Yep. Uh, buy, seller, hold. Uh, sponsored but not funded by Constantinos Reditis, who says Movie Pass will <laughs> fail by the end of 2018, but will be bought out by a movie theater chain or a film studio. I think that one's pretty good. I'm going to buy that. Well, it's failing right now. We actually uh, just canceled Movie Pass last week because we saw all the writing on the wall. They keep changing their arrangement now. Uh, we actually signed up for the AMC Stub Awards program. We do three movies a week, and it can be 3D, any of the XD, any of them. Three movies a week, and it's 20 bucks a month, AMC Theaters Nationwide. And plus, you earn more rewards points as well. Like, we've already earned, like, all kinds of, like, I think $20 in rewards, and we've only had it for, like, a week. So we're, we're doing that now. And because it's it's based from the chain itself, it's on much more solid footing, but... I think that's uh, right on the money. I think MoviePass is toast, but I do think there, it, it's possible another theater chain could very well take a look at that and say, we want to take their list and apply it to our particular movie theaters. I'll buy. I, all along, I thought, when you first told us about this, I thought, this is... Too good to be true. Yeah. They overpromised. Yep. They went, and it's their fault. You you build up towards something. You don't, You once you give it to them, you take it back. It's almost always going to be a disaster. I'm trying to figure out the model, how they actually made money. Because like you said, it was too good to be true. I didn't know if it was maybe something along the lines of Amazon. Amazon, back when they started, uh, had really, really slim to no profit margins whatsoever. Their model was just based on getting as big as possible and at least I thought maybe that's what they were doing and maybe they got a little bit they bit off a little bit more than they could chew and got a little bit too greedy too quick but I had a hard time understanding the profit model well I'm glad you went there 
Okay, so Movie Pass at its zenith had over three million subscribers. Okay, three million people paying you ten dollars a month is thirty million dollars. Multiply that by twelve, and that is three hundred sixty million dollars. Am I right about no twelve? Yeah, three hundred sixty million dollars. How in the world could you not make this work on three hundred sixty million dollars of revenue? People aren't going to go. People, it's not like people are going to be even. I don't think you're not you're not making theaters miss out on three hundred sixty million dollars of revenue. You wouldn't think. No, that. you're not. And and I know when you when you find out. Well, I just paid one flat fee, so I'll go to the movies all the time. We we did go to the movies more than we already were, but probably not much more than we otherwise would have. Um, it. Because there's only so much time in the day. It still costs $17.46 and you're first born for the Tobo corn. You know what I'm saying? So where it had the biggest boon for us was, you know, we, it gave, we, we went to a couple theaters in town that are closer to our house we didn't typically go to because the less expensive theaters are in another suburb and we would typically go there. But it wasn't like we were going to the movies three, four, five times a week every week since we bought this either. I, I, to me, I, I got to think if you're producing $360 million in annual revenue, you have to figure out, you, you, there has to be a way that that works. There has to be a way that works. You must have just mismanaged this somehow. Don't you think? That's a lot of revenue. It is. Okay. But I don't know, what did the shareholders ultimately See, that's think? what I was well, thinking. Well, that's where the thing went downhill. Is it's, it, it, they, get just, they just got kicked off of NASDAQ because their, their shares imploded. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. If they got too greedy too quick as right. far as Which is profit. probably what happened here. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They, they should have taken a lesson from Amazon. Um, as much as it pains me to say this next one, I think this one from Matt Wells is pretty good. Going forward in college football, Nebraska will win a Big Ten championship before Iowa does. I have to say, ah, uh, I'm yep. not going to say it. Bye. I'm, yeah. Um, chances are that's true. I'm, I, I'm going to be fascinated by, they don't have any of the personnel you need to run that offense. And as a Michigan fan, I have a little experience with bringing in a spread coach when you don't have the offense, the players know to run that offense. And he puts the square peg down the round hole. Well, Scott Frost is a better coach than Rich Rodriguez. Rich Rodriguez, at the time we hired him, was considered the number one hot coach in America. He had just turned down Alabama the year before. West Virginia, he almost had them in the national championship game running this offense. So You're right, but that's this year. I mean, Frost said the best thing I could possibly think of him saying as a coach who's honest about uh, how to inspire Nebraska fans, understanding the lay of the land and how he can win in this conference. He kept pointing to the team that is winning the conference the most these days, Wisconsin. my team, Wisconsin. Yeah. And he said, Wisconsin has out been out Nebraskaing us for the last 10 years. He's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, and Bob it, Devaney, disciple, Barry Alvarez. Barry Alvarez is the best coach in college football other than Nick Saban or Urban Meyer, depending on how much longer he is a coach. Because he's been really the coach of your program since 1989. That's the truth. Yes. And... It's it, this has been the template he created, and everything Scott Frost says about that is true. Well, first of all, let me say this: Iowa and Nebraska both have long odds of winning a Big Ten championship Correct. in the next few years. 
because since we went to divisional play with the East and the West, no team from the West has even won. Teams from the East aren't going anywhere. I, I, they fire Urban Meyer tomorrow. Guys, they fired Woody Hayes for punching a guy on New Year's Eve. A year later, they were number one in the country, 11-0 in the Rose Bowl. I mean, they fired – Jim Trestle gets run on Memorial Day. Yeah, they went 6-6 six and six that year. A, the year after, they went 12-0. and 0. It's Urban Ohio Meyer State. was banned from a bowl yeah, his first year, right? They're, they're so, not, yeah. They're, yeah, they're not – Okay, so in the next, they might not go forty-seven and three in the Big Ten in the next fifty Big Ten games. Yeah, they'll be like forty-two and eight at worst. It's all, I mean, they're the one major program. They survived this the Woody Hayes implosion, the betrayal of Earl Bruce, uh, John Cooper, who they all can't hate. He was the first coach at Ohio State to win a Rose Bowl in twenty-two years and won eighty percent of his games. Just kept losing the wrong game all the time. So if basically Ohio State's down period was. Crap, John Cooper went 10-1 and one and our one loss was Michigan. I mean, that was their down period in the last 70 years. So they're not going anywhere to some extent regardless of what happens with Urban Meyer. You have Penn State is clearly on the way back up. We don't really know what Michigan is. We, we know Michigan is that, that Harbaugh has stabilized the program. And we're going to find out now in the next couple of years whether they can take that next step or if they're going to be that kind of 8-9-10 win Kind of the East version of Wisconsin, in a way, mm-hmm. where they're not a playoff contender most years, but they're always a top 15, top 20 kind of a team. And then you have Michigan State, who has a Hall of Fame coach, who's probably on the downside of his career, but showed last year he ain't, you know, ain't washed up yet either. So the odds of any team winning a in the West, winning a Big Ten champ, other than Wisconsin, winning a Big Ten championship in the next four to five years, I don't think are high, period. And so... Now that I say that, if I don't think if I don't think anybody other than Wisconsin out of the Big Ten West could win a Big Ten championship in the next four to five years, then given Frost's trajectory and Ference's age, then this is an easy buy. Yeah, it is Nebraska. Yeah, now that I think it out. Yeah. Uh, let's see. In regards to our southern neighbors, meaning Missouri, Claire McCaskill will win re-election this November. So. I know I said I'm not going to make any election predictions. I'm going to kind of make one. Okay? You sit on the throne of lies. (laughs) Well, this question forces me to. Because I, I can't explain my answer without doing what I'm about to do. I have a feeling... Because this is also the 2016 election. You know, when we came out of 2012, we took a look at the missing white voters that Romney lost, right? And how many um, how many rural whites that had voted Republican in midterm elections didn't vote for Romney? Go back and read Rules for Patriots. I broke all this down and said, these are your target voters for the next election. I wrote this all out in Rules for Patriots in 2013. What you saw, the Trump game plan, so I know that you read the book. I mean, everything that I said about how a Republican could win the presidency in 2016 was laid out in Rules for Patriots two to three years before the election. And I think we made the mistake in, in, in with Trump's persona of thinking the fundamentals of elections changed, and they didn't. Hillary was exceedingly unpopular. Hillary was a terrible candidate. And Trump's unpopularity, Trump's persona never really changed that. We all thought Hillary Clinton was exceedingly beatable going into that primary cycle, right? Yeah. For all, And then when we took the vote on November of 2016, 
All the things that we set here when the Iowa caucus has basically first started and said, this is why we want to unify behind a, a real conservative because we think we can get one elected this year because of how disliked Hillary is. Remember we write? That was our whole strategy. Yeah. Everything we said in January of 2015 that we foresaw would be the shape of the electorate in November of 2016 actually came true. We fell for the canard that Trump's persona changed the election process, changed the electorate, and it really didn't. When you look at the way the 2016 election played out, it actually didn't play out much different than what we were analyzing in January of 2015 we thought was going to happen because of where the electorate was. It's fair to say his persona got in the way and Cruz and, and or Rubio would have just that, slaughtered. If her. anything, you could say that's even more the case. Yeah. Give, give me a Republican that has that doesn't have minus 20 favorables, even yeah. if he's just break even. Yeah. Doesn't even have to be plus 20. Just tell me he's break even. What does he do? Right. So here's how this plays into this. I got a sneaking suspicion that when this is all said and done. This is going to turn out the way many of us thought it was going to turn out when we looked at the election map. That there were too many nominal swing districts with too many retirements for Republicans to defend, and so they lose the House. And there are too many Senate seats in states that Trump won convincingly that the Democrats have to defend, and Republicans either retain the Senate or even gained a couple seats. Now, just as when you look back on 2016 now, go listen to the shows. They're on the podcast feed. Go listen to the stuff we said January, February, March of 2015 during the caucuses. The election turned out what we thought was going to happen at that time. I just was thinking about this the other day. That's why I just now bring this to the table. I've been thinking about this. And I wonder if we're doing this again. If we're falling for, oh, he blew blew himself up on Twitter. Oh, they they blew themselves up on MSNBC. I wonder if we're all caught up in in the show But the fundamentals really haven't changed. And that's exactly why I think she's going to lose. Because she's not going to be up against a candidate. In this case, I can't imagine. I don't have to know Joe Hawley. I cannot imagine, or is it Hawley? I don't know. I can't imagine he could come up with a gaffe anywhere close to Todd Akins. Obama was competitive in Missouri in 08 and 012. Trump won the state convincingly in 16. I think she's in a lot of trouble. I think she's going to lose. And I, I can't answer that proposition without telling you why I think that. And I, I, I suspect, so maybe it's, I'm not going to make an official prediction. How about, how about I'm going to go on the record with a suspicion? So I'll, I'll maintain my... I'm not making any predictions until uh, uh, macro predictions until we the elect the electorate tells us, but I suspect I might be falling for the same thing my forecast model fell for in 2016. Remember when the Dallas Cowboys when we were kids, they invented the the shift in their line, except it wasn't a shift; it was just offensive linemen would just stand up when Danny White or Roger Staubach would say, "Hut one," and the linemen would stand up. And then they would just go right back into their stances. But it looked like they were going like, to shift. Remember that when they used we were kids? And nothing was happening there. They, they, were, they were all going to run the same play they were going to run. It's just those are little innovations Tom Landry put in, putting guys in motion. Originally, Tom Landry just put guys in motion because he wanted to see if you were in a zone or a man defense. 
But then he found that defenses were being totally fooled by this, and he can run that guy out of the out of motion and get him wide open in the flat and dump the ball off to Tony Dorsett and he can run 99 yards, right? People were just falling for all this stuff over here, but the 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 structure of blocking and tackling and football hadn't changed. They just were psyched out in their minds it had. And I think we did that in 2016. I think we all fell into the trap of Trump's persona and his quirks and his eccentricities or whatever that word is. Um, Eccentricities. Thank you. I think we all fell into that, but the fundamentals didn't change. The Democrats still nominated a terrible candidate, period. And just like we thought she could never overcome it, had the Republicans nominated Cruz, Rubio, Walker, even Jeb Bush, name somebody. That still turned out to be true. I wonder if they haven't changed this year either. And just the simple basic math of too many retirements in the House and too many swing suburban districts that are leaning more Democrat, and so they win that. Too many Senate seats that are in in strongly Republican seats, and Republicans win that. I suspect we're going to sit here the Wednesday, the first Wednesday in November, and we're going to say, you know, it was one hell of a show, but it pretty much went exactly how we could have predicted it was going to go in January. I... I will, since we're talking about, I will buy that as it applies to McCaskill specifically, and it's as likely as anything else. Uh, If this is a much sleepier election than I think it is going to be, I think you are dead on. We just, you can, the surest bet though is that both sides are just going to be so hysterical um, that. It's it's hard to bank on that quite yet. It's other than simply saying it's as probably as likely as anything else. Uh, Richard Boyce says if Jordan becomes Speaker of the House, he will begin impeaching judges that will begin a retreat of judicial tyranny. So, yep. I don't know. I've ever wanted to buy anything more. That someone has sold to us, other than that. Although I think actually, don't doesn't impeachment of judges have to happen in the House, in the Senate? And I think what well, the House can do is they can defund. I could be wrong, but I think I think that has to happen in the Senate because they have the confirmation oversight over the judiciary. Uh-huh. But the House is the appropriations. They they like the House could defund the Ninth Circuit, for example, not send them any money. Talk to me. I'm in. I, I want to believe this stuff. I do. Yes. But I've been alive more than five minutes, yes. so I'm yes. going to sell. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, J, uh, Bear and uh, Jay says James Woods should be Lord Nefarious in Steve's movie. Um, that is interesting casting, actually. I hadn't even thought about that. Sell not because James Woods isn't awesome, because uh, the guy's got some solid troll game, but you don't want you want to go out of your way so that this can't be caricatured. That's true. You could also say though he comes now with a built-in audience. You could make, you could spin oh, up so the other way too. Oh, so find a place for him. Yes, yeah, I you, just you could think... spin you could spin that both ways. It's like you and I had this conversation about Trump yeah. before the show. The the good news about Trump is he has it has a base of support that is impervious 
to slippage. Mm-hmm. And the bad news about Trump is what he did to create that base of impervious support creates a, a, a ceiling yeah, yeah. on people that he can therefore outside of that base reach, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I could see us and the filmmakers having a conversation along those lines of that. that's where you realistically ask yourself, how broad of an audience do we think we can reach? If you do, if you come to the conclusion you think you can reach a really broad audience, you're right, you don't do this caricature casting. If you come to the conclusion we're better off capitalizing on the audience for it that we know that we have, because it's not like James, James Woods is one of the great actors of his era, period. That's not even a debatable point. So if you come to the conclusion we're better off capitalizing on the audience we have and maximizing that, then you absolutely look at something like that. And I think I think this is more of a of a marketplace conversation that we would have because it's not a question of talent. Like you're not giving him a role because you like his politics. Like we're resurrecting Antonio Sabato, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this guy in the 80s and 90s was considered he was yeah, he was yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman really of our childhood in a way. He was like he yeah. was he was the consummate character actor. So there's no question he could pull this off supremely. But it does come with political baggage. Now the question is if you don't think you have a broad audience for this, then you know what, man? You turn out every person that buys into our narrative you can, and you go with that. If you're thinking you'd have a broader audience, then you're going to look for an, a, a star that can cross over. You're right. Well, it undoubtedly has a broader audience. And to me, I don't remember. Who's the the guy who directed Black Panther? Oh. Um, but, but anyways, I, he... Yeah. He just started off just, he wrote the script for Creed mm-hmm. and he just kept, he, for years, I mean, he was he, he just, I believe in this, get it to Sylvester Stallone. Uh, so, Sylvester Stallone is the kind of guy who's like, hey kid, I like your stuff. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I see it in this vein. I mean, it, 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 this goes w- way beyond a niche. All right. Ordinary Steve says at least three-fourths of the Catholic Church hierarchy deserves to be excommunicated. He says, I'm Catholic, by the way. So I'm going to defer to you on that. Sell. You're going to know that better than me. Uh, I mean, that seems sell. really high, and I'm the total depravity guy. Although I'm perfectly fine with erring on the side of excommuting too many people, if you're not sure. <laughs> Just as a general principle. I, I, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, we pro- I probably broke Ordinary Steve's heart because you know how much I love the saying about uh, that excommunications must continue. But remember, what are we first and foremost as a church, Catholic or otherwise? What are we filled with? We're filled with sinners. Uh, their c- cowardice uh, is rife. Uh, throughout the faith, um, uh, being uh, lukewarm is rife throughout the faith. In term, and I'm talking about the leadership, and, and we know, be hot or cold, be not lukewarm. Uh, but excommunication, we play. We, it's fun to play with the term, but it is a deadly serious term, um, and y- you simply do not go throwing people out of the means of salvation because they are sinners. We are all sinners by definition. The standard for excommunication is obviously a high one, and it should be. Well said. I'll go with his answer. All right. Andy says, Big Ten football is going to be as lit as the Gadsden Mall this year. Bye. Absolutely. I 
I think that um, I don't think the league. I don't think the league's as deep as it's been, but I think the top of the league, going back to when I first started being a fan in the mid '80s, you know, the mid '80s, the top of the league was great. Uh, you know, you'd have Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, all finish in the top ten nationally. Um, the late '90s, you'd have years where. Um, you know, Wisconsin and Michigan and another team would, would all finish in the top 10. So I, I think the top of the league, I think the overall depth, like the bottom of the league is is not good, which is, makes sense, right? Because if you're going to have a league where you're, where the top is as good as it's ever been, it's not going to be the, the solid programs in the middle, the Iowas, that are going to be punished by that. The guys at the bottom. Because what it means is, you know, um, you're pulling so many guys out of New Jersey, those top teams are, to be this good at the same time that Rutgers' recruiting base is just gone. You're pulling so many guys out of Illinois for the top programs to be this good that Illinois' recruiting base is just gone. So it makes sense that while the top is the, as good as it is, the bottom is as bad as it is. But the top of this league is as good as it's been in my lifetime, I think. I have a, I, I agree. I have a tangential question, though. Mm-hmm. And I remember all of the arguments uh, uh, that you made uh, regarding uh, uh, markets and television and things like that. But now that we are, I don't know how many years into the edition of Rutgers in Maryland, is that a success, a push? Has it been a failure? Competitively, it's been a failure. On every other level, it's been a rousing success. I mean, competitively... But that well, was well. Maryland's added a lot bring... in basketball. Actually, now that I think about yeah. it, football-wise, Maryland is in an impossible situation in the division they're in. Where I mean, DJ Durkin's pulling in top twenty-five classes there, but he knows every season he's got four losses on the schedule before he plays a game, just because of the division he's in. You know, and Rutgers administratively and on multiple levels has been a disaster for a while now. But in terms of you know, when you're handing out fifty million dollar a team checks from the Big Ten Network because of all the East Co- the DMV and the and the New York City market and stuff that you've that you corridor you've opened yourself up to, on every other fact, the recruiting you know where we have this demographic problem here in the Midwest, and while the state of Pennsylvania and Ohio, the states of Pennsylvania and Ohio are still you know the two best states in the Midwest to recruit, they used to be among two of the best five states in the country to recruit, and that's probably not true anymore. Um, maybe Ohio still is, Pennsylvania is not anymore, and so this has helped to expand the recruiting territory in that DMV area, in that New York, New Jersey area, where there still are a lot of really good players. So except for competitive balance in football, it has been good for the league everywhere else. Yep, that's what I thought. Uh, let's see. Uh, lots of questions or lots of statements about Urban Meyer. Okay. Uh, this one's from Jay Hinton. Um, this one's the most interesting because we already know what you think about Urban. Uh, Urban Meyer will be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns next year. I'm going to buy that. I think there's a, you know, when you look at there's Are a, you serious? Yeah, I'm going to buy that. Yeah. Wow. And let me tell you why. I think you want to make a guy. See, here's the problem that Ohio State has. The amount of Title IX liability, I laid this out um, this morning on another podcast I do. He had he and the administration, by the way they treated this, they have opened themselves up to hundreds of millions of dollars of punitive damages when you throw in the wrestling doctor, the, the idea that Courtney Smith could now sue them. 
because they've never interviewed her, never followed up on her allegations. The Title IX liability that exists for the, that's why there's so many lawyers on that independent committee. They're, they're, the lawyers are looking for what, what liability are we exposed to here because of these actions. And then they're going to do the math and they're going to they're gonna decide whether if the cost of keeping him exceeds the liability, the Title IX liability. And I'm pretty convinced they're going to come up with the answer that it doesn't. They, they, they simply can't allow the lawyers that are going to sue them for all these victims of the wrestling doctor to go in to say to a jury after they win a conviction and then they're getting ready to award damages. And oh, by the way, Ohio State told you that this was a limited problem, that this was only this one program. They kept the football coach who, who hid the guy that was beating his wife all these years. They can't... Whatever Urban Meyer's buyout is, whatever the lawsuit from Urban Meyer, if they fire him for cause, is pennies on the dollar compared to what that will cost. That's something a lot of sports fans don't understand. So the one way you can make this go away, one of the biggest boosters at Ohio State, is Jimmy Haslam. Who's he? Do you know who he is? Isn't he the owner of the Browns? He's the owner of the Cleveland Browns. And one way you kind of make this go away is... A negotiated settlement on Myers' buyout where he doesn't get $38 million, but he gets something for his troubles, and he's got a job in the NFL coaching the Cleveland Browns next year. That's one, one way, because here's what you don't want. If you're Ohio State, this is why, <laughs> there's a reason why Caiaphas says, better for one man to die than for the whole nation to perish. Whether it's Ken Starr is originally charged with investigating whether Bill Clinton lied in a Paula Jones suit, and then we're investigating taking DNA samples off of Monica Lewinsky's dress, right? And whether it's Bob Mueller's charge was to investigate collusion, then it's then it's conspiracy, then it's obstruction of justice, then it's Michael Cohen, and then it's you know then it's what Paul Manafort, how much you know under report. The last thing, if you're Ohio State, you want to have happen is for the feds to come in with subpoenas and printing presses. You have to avoid that outcome at all costs because that's when whole layers of administrations get wiped out. Like what you saw at Michigan State, like what you saw at Baylor. They have to avoid that outcome. I think they'll be smart, and I I think they're going to be smart because I can see who's on the panel. The woman they hired to run this panel, this is what she does. That's what Mary Jo White does. That's what she did with the Carolina Panthers, what she did with Ezekiel Elliott. That's what she did with the New Orleans Saints. This is about how do we make this go away, make him go away, so that we don't expose the entire university to liability. And you give him a nice golden parachute, six to eight months, you make him the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. I think that's a very plausible scenario. The more you talk about this, uh, and I hear you talk about it, um, the more... uh I believe you to be of sound mind and body on this, but I am selling because I'm banking on total depravity. So am I. Uh, I'm no, banking on it too. No, no the, 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 I think that they're going to look at this and triangulate and say, you know, this isn't Michigan. This isn't Michigan State. We're talking about uh, one woman. We're going to try to pull off the mistakes we made, lessons we're uh, learned. Thing also, as you said uh, earlier about Ohio State, they've been uh, made mistakes before, and at worst, what they bought them out to. You know, fifty and eight. Instead Difference of was in all those two. situations, they cleared out who was responsible. Urban or Herb or Woody Hayes fired. Um, 
Jim Tressel forced to resign, and they didn't they didn't keep the problem there lingering. They removed the problem right away. The reason Penn State has bounced back, I, we all thought that program was going to be a a freaking crater yeah. for the next ten years. The fact that it was so mismanaged that they had to fire everyone and put people in prison and just literally, you know, urban renewal pl- yeah. the place yeah. worked to their advantage because all the temptation of keeping any of the hangers-ons was all removed because of the liability they were opened up to. Yeah, but none of these guys are going to say, yeah, well, that the fundamental level of denial, we're not Penn State. If they hadn't appointed the panel that they appointed, I would agree with you. That panel is why I think that panel and who runs it, that's not, they, her MO is she's a hanging judge everywhere she goes. And I'm actually banking on total depravity too, that they're going to realize, guys, if we, we can't. No, that's and Caiaphas, justice you're banking Caiaphas on. Is, no, Caiaphas is mine. He's like, we cannot afford to have the Romans coming in here, putting their noses in all of our business. We know that'll cause a major upheaval around our people. This, get, get rid this carpenter. I'm not comparing Urban Meyer to Jesus. I'm, com, I'm comparing Caiaphas' mind sight to this. He's thinking, get rid of this rabble rouser. Get this guy out of here. He's up. We had the balance of power here. Get rid of him. And that's I'm counting on total I, depravity, I want, too. I want you to be right. All right, uh, we've got a few more minutes left. So, uh, Sporting News came out with uh, predictions uh, for the NFL this year. So, I think we'll go by uh, division by division if you want to, real quick. Okay. I want to give credit to uh, uh, Tad Haslop from the Sporting News for this. Uh, so, I, it'll be the same thing that we do for lists. I'm going to give you all four teams from each division that he has uh, predicted order of finish. Buy if you generally agree, sell if you don't. Okay. Starting the AFC North, uh, number one through number four, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. Sell. I want to buy that Cle- uh, Cleveland won't go winless again. But, man, just as we're sitting here talking, Josh Gordon's still not in camp. Antonio Callaway, the coach is shocked that a guy that blew his whole career at Florida for all kinds of nefarious activity looks like he might blow his pro career. I don't know, man. I just uh, so I'm going to sell because I'm going to. I think Cleveland has or Cincinnati has better management than Cleveland. But general agreement, right? So I'll, general, I'll, yeah. I'll buy. Oh, we yeah. don't have to agree with the entire thing. No. All right, I think that's close. Yep. Like I think I think Cleveland will go five and eleven, and Cincinnati will go seven and nine. Okay, so I'll, I'll buy that then. Okay. All right, AFC South, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Houston, Indianapolis. This I'm going to sell. I still can't get over the fact that Jacksonville went to the AFC Championship game last year. When you look at how NFL games are won and lost, I don't, I don't believe you're telling me Blake Bort, if, if Andrew Luck is healthy, and he's in camp playing full-time. So you're telling me if Andrew Luck is healthy, then the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback by Blake Bortles are going to be three, no. four, or five games better. And while Jacksonville's overall roster is vastly better than the Colts, you know this is a Packers fan. Okay? Yeah. 70% of the teams in the NFL have superior rosters to the Packers. Doesn't matter. Most most Sundays, doesn't matter if number 12 is out there. Doesn't matter most Sundays? Doesn't matter. No. Because I got a better quarterback than you. There's no way the difference between Blake Bortles and Andrew Luck is going to be three to four to five games. And I also think Houston's going to win that not, division. Yeah, not to mention Deshaun Watson coming That's why back. I think so Houston's no, going to win that division. Yeah. No, I would, 
would I be shocked if Jacksonville wins it? No, but I I think you have got to take the field on this one. I'm selling. I would agree with that. Uh, AFC East, New England, New York Jets, uh, Buffalo, and Miami. One through four. Yeah, buy. I don't think it doesn't matter. Yeah, two exactly. Four. Yeah, so I'm going to buy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we will go to the AFC West, Los Angeles, Kansas City, Oakland, and Denver. I'm going to sell. I like the Chargers and the Raiders better. I think they will finish in, the, in some order top two in that division. Uh, I'll buy based on the the strength of the the Rams. That's the most salient thing. No, to me. this is the Chargers. We're AFC. We're doing AFC West, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. San Diego. Yeah. I, I apologize. Yeah, everybody Chargers. keeps forgetting yeah. the San Diego Chargers are now yes. playing at a twenty thousand seat soccer Good stadium. In yes, because yeah. so that's definitely an upgrade from San Diego. <laughs> uh, so ch- the Chargers are in uh, yeah. first. Um, and again, I like it's the quarterback. I think you have a Hall of Fame quarterback See, for the Chargers, yeah. and then you have an All Pro quarterback I, versus a guy who's never taken a meaningful snap. Yeah, I I get that, but at some point, Philip Rivers. He's going to hit a wall with age. We saw that with Peyton Manning. I don't know how – I mean, he's an NFL quarterback, so he's got to take pretty good care of himself. It's just his at his age now, I don't know when – I think Melvin gonna, Gordon's better than anybody Kansas City has. I think the Chargers' defensive front's far better than Melvin, Kansas City's. Who's, you who's think the Melvin Gordon is, is better than the guy who won the lead I do. rushing? Yeah, and I had yeah. that guy on my team last year. Uh, but I, I think he had he caught teams off guard, which is why I was very high on him. Now that everybody's going to see him coming, one of the things we always see in the NFL is everybody adjusts. Adjust. Now we're going to really find out how good that guy is because now everybody's going to see him coming. He's not going to shock anybody. Who's the Chiefs quarterback this year? Patrick uh, Mahomes. Pat I love Mahomes. how all offseason yeah. Kansas City, even the like the non-Chief Pollyanna beat writers, have been making this guy out to be he's he's MVP material. He's going to lead us to a Super Bowl. He's been throwing. He might. He's he he might someday. Yeah. He's been throwing lots of interceptions at camp now, and we're getting articles coming to grips with the fact that he might just be capable of throwing interceptions. It might just be he's never played any meaningful football in the NFL. It I, might take a guy a year or two to be good. I, I might li- just be that. I, he just doesn't have... He, I, I doubt that he's just, just going to bring it right away. But the dude, you listen to him recall specific plays, and it's just like everything comes to him really, really slow, which is great to hear, but I hope that translates into actually... I, I guess I'll buy, but I could easily see this being one of those years where like a 7-9 and nine team wins and gets in. All right, NFC North, Minnesota, Green Bay, Detroit, Chicago. I think that's right on the money. Uh, South, I, I just, I can't. Uh, NFC South. I do think in this case, Minnesota's overall roster is so superior to Green Bay's that I only need them to finish one spot ahead of Green Bay and not three, like what you're asking me between Blake Bortles and Andrew Luck, for example. NFC South, New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina, Tampa Bay. Um, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the NFC East, Philadelphia, Dallas, New York, Washington. I'll buy that. I think the, if the Vikings don't have the best roster in the NFL, the Eagles do. Um, Cowboys have lost a lot in the last couple yeah, of years. I, I'm, I'm selling only because I think the Cowboys might finish last. Really? Hmm. I, re- I really do. I, I think that I... They've got some 
if they're they're going to rely on a guy who was suspended six, the Mercurial Ezekiel Elliott, uh, he's going to have to be the MVP and have a, un, a remarkable season uh, for that not to happen. And I'm just not going to bank it all on him. They, 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 Dak Prescott is a, a fine human being, but he's he's not a great quarterback. He never will be a great quarterback. They just announced today that their their number one receiver. Is the guy is the the guy who's like five six? Do you know his name off the top? Oh, he's been Beasley. Beasley. Yeah, yeah. Cole I mean, Beasley. This yeah. is not. They aren't the. He's not suddenly going to turn these guys into the, um, you know, Julian Edelman. You, Just lost a Hall of Fame tight end. Yeah, this is. Oh. I, I think they might do. I think they might have. It, it won't bottom out quite as hard as the Giants did last year. But I, I just I don't think disagree it, with you. I think it's going to be a rough year for them. I don't. But I just don't know how good the rest of those teams are. I have a sneaking suspicion. The Giants are going to be better, aren't I they? I think they'll be better. They still aren't very good on defense. Eli Manning was terrible last year. But I think Saquon Barkley will make them better. I have a sneaking suspicion Alex Smith might, for yeah, in, in year three or four, who's going to get the better of that trade? You guys will. Oh, yeah. But this one year, given what's, what's Washington's thing always? Drama, contracts. You like that? Yeah, I think having a guy who's just here to play football I think having the quiet confidence of an Alex Smith to simmer things down for yeah. a year, you know, could maybe help them win some of those 24 17 games. We've seen them lose yep. a lot the last few years. All right. Last division NFC West, Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco, Seattle, Arizona. I think that's right on the money. I think that's right on the money. I, I agree. I mean, the Rams, with the, the Rams to me are the, are the most intriguing team in the NFL because I don't think their overall depth is where. Uh, the Eagles and the Vikings are, but the frontline guys and their starting lineup. I mean, it, it's the kind of team you, you, it's hard to build in today's NFL with the salary cap. But Jared Goff shocked a lot of people last year. Everybody's going to be, they spent the whole offseason prepping for him. So I, I, to me, they are, they are a high risk, high reward team. If they get off to a really good start, I think as the season goes on, they're going to be really hard to beat. If they struggle at first, though, with all those stars and all those personalities and guys looking at their contracts and everything else, I think I, I think they could go literally anywhere from fifteen and one to six and ten, because they're not made up the way a lot of NFL teams are made up today, which makes sense. It's L.A. They like stars. Most NFL teams are trying to emulate the the Patriots model. I mean, the Eagles did this. Get a couple stars on each side of the ball, and then you have solid contributing veterans and depth everywhere else, right? That's what most teams in the salary cap era are trying to emulate the model of the Patriots. The Rams are building teams the way the Cowboys and 49ers, and well, when the Packers used to go out and get Sean Jones and Reggie White. They're building a team the way we used to do it in the 90s. And so I'm, I am fascinated to see how that's going to play. I'll buy it, like I said earlier, when I forgot which division we were doing, based on the strength of the Rams. But I think two through four are all interchangeable and could all end up pretty well tied. I that too. Yep. I just, I, I think Seattle has a limited, even though their roster sucks by and large, but they have a Hall of Fame quarterback. So I, again, I think the ceiling of how far you're not going four and twelve if Russell Wilson starts seventeen games. You're just not. Right. You, you're not. It, That's just not the way the NFL works. You, it's not going to work that way. You don't throw that turn around willy-nilly and obviously he came to wisconsin for one year and it was a lot of fun right now 
You believe him to be a Hall of Fame quarterback? Well, I mean, if his career ended right now, well, right. May, if, if it well, it depends on how it ended. Like no, Terrell I mean, Davis with injuries, would he get in? Yeah, people would look at what he had done, factor in that injuries cost him his career, and like Terrell Davis got in, he'd get in. When I say Phil Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer right now, for example, Russell Wilson is on pace. He'd have to fall off the map to not be a Hall of Famer. That's what I mean by that. But and but doesn't a guy with a dwindling roster and a defense that isn't primary that's, 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 that could happen yeah that could I, happen. and i'm rooting for i mean yeah. he's a good guy yeah. i think so is that it that's it all right so i'm looking forward to the emails from the ladies they'll be complaining we did too much sports on this week's buy star hold we needed some levity though it's been yeah. pretty heavy the last couple of days so smoke them if you got them we're back at it again tomorrow. We're going to debut our new Theology Thursday series. We're doing a Bible study right here on the podcast tomorrow on Westwood One. Don't miss it. Please click subscribe there on iTunes and Stitcher. Give us a positive review if you have time. Thank you to those of you that have already done so. John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you. 